G20, no pressure then. Um, yeah, so we're going to be looking at two verses from Matthew. Um, Matthew 28, 22 and 28. Before we get there, um, well, what is New Year's? We, we make resolutions. Some of us do. Some of us keep them. But a poll suggests that I read this week that the number one resolution for 2020 is to keep my New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Closely followed by trying something new. Uh, but research also suggests that although around a quarter of us make New Year's resolutions, one in eight manage to keep them. That's just 12%. So maybe we're not good at keeping resolutions. Um, but you can console yourself that actually in this last year you've come far. You've come really far. You've come 590 million miles, in fact. Because the Earth rotates at a speed of 733 miles per hour, that's 6 million miles in a year, and it orbits the sun at 57,000 miles an hour, and that's 584 million miles. You've come really far. I also didn't realise that the sun and the solar system move as well at some 4 billion miles a year. So we've come a long way. We are going to be looking at this new year um, in the next few weeks, uh, what it means to be a disciple. And we're going to look at our mission statement to live for God's glory, to love one another, and to make Jesus Christ known. And so today we're going to look at mission. Next week we're going to have baptism. Seven people in our church are going to get baptised. That's fantastic. Hallelujah. And then we're looking at stewardship and giving how to read the Bible well, and prayer. And then we're going to be entering a new season as a church as we welcome Brian and June uh, and their family as Brian comes to be our minister. So our next trip around the sun is going to be a little bit different. You may remember at the beginning of December, if you were here, um, I talked about how we can be sure of our faith. And we were going through our series in Acts, and we came across Stephen, who was killed for his faith. And we looked at three key areas that our faith is rooted in truth, grounded in scripture, and confirmed by experience. And I felt that video this morning just encapsulated some of that excitement of what our faith is based on. And if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that Jesus did what the Bible said he did, then the challenge is what is our response to that? How do we live our lives in response to that? And this morning I want to just kind of encourage you and challenge you in mission. And we want to look at how God is seeking to change us, to challenge us and to train us this year. What is mission? So we're going to look at our Bible passages and start in Matthew 22 and verse 35. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. One of them, that is a Pharisee, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him, that's Jesus, with this question. 
Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Let me jump forward to the very last verses of Matthew. Chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went, left Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, these new disciples, to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I love how honest the Bible is. Um, while it said that disciples worshipped Jesus, it also said that some of them doubted. We can have doubts and we can have fears and we can have failures and that's okay. It doesn't disqualify us. Jesus didn't say to the disciples, right, you guys that worship me, here's what I want you to do. You doubters, you can go home. They were all included, all entrusted with the mission that Jesus had for them. And even when we doubt, we don't feel uh, equipped or ready. These disciples came from a point where Jesus had been killed and risen to life. And now they're being told to go and make disciples. I don't imagine many of them, fishermen and tax collectors, felt ready to go and preach the gospel. But God will equip the called. So the calling comes first. You're not going to feel ready when God calls you, but he equips you when you stand out. Now, back in chapter 22, Jesus, in the first commandment, is actually quoting from uh, something called the Shema. This was a Jewish prayer that they prayed twice a day. And in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, uh, we find the Shema. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Sorry, here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now, heart, soul, and might, or mind, or strength, as it's sometimes translated, these aren't rigid parts of our human experience. They're not, he's not kind of actually calling out parts of our anatomy. The heart is kind of our innermost being. Our thoughts, our thinking, our understanding, our reflections. And our soul is our self, our very breath, our life, our passions. And the word might there, it's about the only time uh, in the Old Testament that the word is translated as might. Every other time it's used, it has, it's normally translated as very. So back in creation, God created things and each day he said it was good. 
when he created us, he said it was very good. That's the same word here. And so it carries with it this kind of much greater. So we're asked to love God with all of ourselves, all of our breath, all of our life, and all of our muchness, everything that we are, to love God. But Jesus goes on, and a second is equally as important. Love your neighbour as yourself. Need to make sure I read this the right way around. It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So, of course, Jesus is saying we need to put the needs of other people first. We need to make sure that other people uh, are seen to. But he's not saying that you don't have to care about yourself. Just think less about yourself, not less of yourself. Do you know it's okay to love and respect yourself and who you are? God created you. He gave you a purpose. He loves you, and you are here in this building, in this city, in the life that you have, in the job that you have, in the family and the people around you, because that's where God has positioned you to be. And you're gifted and skilled with just the right things that God wants you to have. And it's okay to accept that. We don't have to be caught under the banner of false humility and pretend that we're no good. We don't have to boast about it either. But if God is calling you to something, you don't have to say, I could never do that, I'm not good enough. If God is calling you, he will equip you and he wants you to do it. If we can't accept the calling God has in our lives, then we end up comparing ourselves to other people. We end up looking at what other people are doing, the spotlight they're in, or the lies they have, the family they have, and we compare ourselves all the time. And this is a phrase that has really stuck with me recently, and it's comparison is a thief of joy. As soon as we just keep focusing what other people can do and what other people have and what we don't, then we just lose all joy. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And another way of translating stir up is to provoke. And I really like that. I don't like it when my children provoke each other. That's different. But to provoke each other, to love and to good works. It's encouraging each other. It's saying, great, you're doing fantastic. Keep doing it. Keep doing more. Let's love each other. Because when we're too focused on comparing what we have to other people and we're not confident and happy with what God has given us, then we're comparing all the time. And we lose that joy and we're not then free to encourage other people. But when we are confident in whom God has purposed us to be, then we are freed up to enjoy what God has purposed other people to be. Now, these two passages, I think, really complement each other well in terms of what our mission is. Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptise them, and we're doing that next week. Teach them all that I have commanded you. And of course, the Bible is full of Jesus' teachings, his parables, his stories, his life, and it's all really important. But Jesus himself sums it all up. Teach them what I have commanded you, to love God, with everything that you are, every fibre of your being, and to love each other. That's our mission. 
That's the Great Commission, and it's our co-mission. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. God created us to partner with us. Um, He didn't create us because he needs us. He created us because he loves us. He wants to see what you will do with what you've given him. And he wants to partner with us in creation and driving creation forwards. So what is mission? If you look at dictionary definition, we get it's an important assignment, a vocation or calling, or a strongly felt aim or ambition or calling. And I worry sometimes we can be a bit narrow about how we look at mission and what mission is. You know, mission is uh, a vocation and a calling. Sometimes mission is moving overseas to work with tier fund or put yourself in a vulnerable different situation, in a different culture, a different life. And maybe that's for the foreseeable future. Mission is going full time and starting a charity like Hope Into Action. Mission is full time Christian ministry, becoming a minister or a children's worker or anything else that's full time in the church. That is mission. But it's also volunteering for food bank. It's volunteering for street pastors, Christians Against Poverty, any of these things that you give up some of your time to invest in other people, that's mission too. And there can be different reasons for that. Sometimes it's that actually God breaks your heart for the homeless or the poor or trafficked people. And you really uh, weep with God over those lives. And you want to give anything you can give, whether it's the rest of your life or part of your time to invest. But sometimes it isn't that your heart breaks. Sometimes it's just that it's a good cause and it's worth investing your time in. That whole idea of what breaks my heart, what breaks God's heart, has kind of almost haunted me for a while. There's a song years back by Hillsong United called Hosanna. And it goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. And most of this song is brilliant. And I love it. And everything I am for your kingdom's cause. I want to love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my strength, everything that I am. But break my heart for what breaks yours. Sometimes I, I don't know what breaks... Nothing seems to break my heart. I worry, am I dead inside? Am I just made of stone? Because nothing really seems to break my heart. And I hate to say it, because it feels like it sounds like I don't care. And it wasn't until recently, this uh, end of last year... I went to a course in Devon, and I was having a conversation with somebody about this. We were talking about passions and what drives us. And I kind of said, I don't know. I don't know what breaks my heart. I don't know what I'm passionate about. 
And they said there's a difference between kind of caring about things and passion. Because like, I don't want to say that I'm not passionate about the homeless or I'm not passionate about all these other issues in the world because it sounds wrong. But they're saying, of course you're concerned about those things, but it's not the passion that God has given you. Yeah, God will use you where you stand if you're willing to be used. So mission is also bringing up children and it's working to guide and discipline those tiny humans. It's running a business with integrity and to the best of your ability. It's working hard for a boss that doesn't appreciate you and going the extra mile anyway. It's offering a cheery smile and a good morning to people as you pass them on the street or in the shop. It's caring for a loved one day in and day out. That's mission. Mission is also being a friend. I've got a friend um, who him and his family, they're not Christians, we've been friends for a lot of years now. And we hang out a lot and I know that he really values my friendship and I pray that one day he will come to know Jesus. But my mission is just to be his friend and to be there with him. Mission is loving other people. I came across this um, on Twitter this week from a pastor in America. He said that love is not approving of everything that I do. Love is not agreeing with everything that I think. Love is grace and truth. Grace means I'll never give up on you. Truth means I'll always be with you. When we're approaching mission, it's not a case of kind of, I'm up here, back here, come to our church, come and sing our songs, come and sit in our seats, come and do it the way we're doing it. It's about sitting next to somebody and just saying, this is hard, isn't it? I'm with you, I want to sit with you, I want to walk with you, I want to be with you. And when you have that opportunity to be saying, look, I know this guy and he kind of seems to know the way through the darkness, I don't know every step that he's going to take, but I trust him. Will you join me? It's sharing life together. It's being willing to be used for God. Because God isn't looking at your position so much as the posture of your heart. He's not looking at what uh, success in worldly ways you've made of your life, what job you're in. He's positioned you where he wants you to be, and we don't have to make a success of ourselves as the world sees it in order to be used by God. He's not concerned about where our feet are. He's concerned about where our heart is. In Isaiah 6, verse 8, Isaiah says, I've heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah simply says, Here I am. Send me. Now, I've got a notebook where I try and write down things that I feel God is saying to me over the years. Um, and it's hard, isn't it, to know whether it's God speaking or whether it's just a silly thought you've had. Um, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I don't think I know anybody that has. If you have, that's fantastic. I'd love to hear about it. But God speaks to us in kinds of ways, through our friendships. Um, he speaks to us through the Bible, um, through songs, through all kinds of uh, mediums. But he 
often speaks to me through um, a simple image or what we've come to talk about, my wife um, and some friends of ours, as kind of occurrences. And it's just that thought that enters your mind. It's just like, well, that doesn't sound like me. And a few years back, 2017, going through my notebook, I wrote down uh, something. And it was at a point where I'd had this thought. I was just like, actually, do you know what? Life is okay. I'm happy. My business is going well. My family seems to be growing well. Everything seems okay. I've got some good friendships. Life's cool. That's a dangerous thing to start to think because contentment is fine. God doesn't like to leave you comfortable for too long. And I knew this was probably a thought from God because it's not really the way that I think. Not for such a life have I called you. It's not really the way that I think. Not for such a life have I called you, I felt God say to me. And he gave me three words. He said, I've called you for a life of passion, prayer, and all-out worship. To be honest, I couldn't tell whether it was all-out worship or all-in worship. I'm not sure what the difference is, but I want to be all-out for God and all-in for God at the same time. And for me, that connected to a verse that has followed me for years as well. In 2 Samuel 6, verse 2, uh, King David has just gone... Uh, and got the Ark of the Covenant, that box with the Ten Commandments in it, and brought it back to Jerusalem, recaptured it from their enemies, and he's dancing in the streets, and his wife says to him, you're an idiot. You look an absolute fool. And his response is, yes. And I'm prepared to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. And so I just want to be living my life with no holds barred, no shame, No fear, just glory to God. I want to do the mission that God has put in front of me, however big that is, however small that is, however important that feels. Rocket fuel. So this was another image about the same time that God gave me, and I think I shared it at a prayer meeting last year. And it was about this church, about Breton Baptist. And I felt God say that we are storing up rocket fuel. We have potential in this church, untapped potential. And I look round at this church, and I don't know all of you really well, but you're amazing people. This church has gathered amazing people from across this city. I didn't include it, but actually it was interesting. Uh, with behind-the-scenes access to Church Suite, our management system here at church, there's a map. I should have included it, but it shows kind of dots of where everybody lives across the city. And it's fascinating, actually, the reach we have and the different areas where there's concentration. And I think it's really important, then, to think about the mission field that we have as a church. But I want to challenge you this morning with a question. Why did you come through the doors of this building this morning? Why this building? Why have you been coming here? Why have you started coming here? Church service on a Sunday morning isn't an end in itself. We come here to be filled up so we can go out. The Bible talks way more about discipleship than it does about Christianity. And there's a difference. We don't just say, yes, we're Christians, we go to church and check that off. 
We're disciples. We follow Jesus every day, every moment, with all that we are, with everything within us. We don't go to church. We are the church. And you get to invest in this church. Steve was asking earlier if there's anything that God is stirring up in you. Not because we need volunteers. Yes, we are trying to do things as a church that need people and need resources and need finance. But actually, you get to invest in the work of God. And the challenge is not what can I do for you, God? It's what do you want to do in me? It's not about where, can, where do I have to volunteer or there's a need over there. Sometimes we do just need to meet a need. But think this morning, what is God challenging me to this year? What is he um, seeking to change in me, to challenge in me, and to teach me in 2020? And we're going to be entering a really exciting season as Brian comes and opportunities in this church change. And I really believe that God has got big plans for Peterborough. And in thinking about what my passions are, I've really come to realise that while I was born in the city, I moved a little way away for uh, most of my childhood and came back again. Actually, I'm passionate about this city, about Peterborough. And it's full of so many hurting and lost people. But it's also full of amazing people too. And God is calling you to something very specific. He has positioned you around people. He's positioned you with influence and reach. Don't compare to what other people have and the influence and reach that they have. Think about what God has positioned you for. Well, I'm nearly finished. But I do feel I want to say this morning as well. um, We talked about resolutions. um, And I don't want any of us to go into this new year, this new trip around the sun, carrying hidden struggles. Because when we have things that we keep secret, actually it blocks us. And when we're trying to connect those fuel pipes to our untapped potential... Actually, there can be blockages in that pipe. And a a verse that sticks out to me over the years as well, um, I'll read it from the message translation because it just is wonderful. And it's Romans 7.21. And Paul is writing about sin. It happens so regularly that it's predictable, he says. The moment I decide to do something good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious to me that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. Obviously, I need help. And there's a quote from Muhammad Ali. He says, often it isn't the mountains ahead of us that wear us out. It's the pebble in our shoe. And so I really want to encourage you to become a part of a connect group this year. If nothing else, make that your aim. Join a connect group, go to it. Develop relationships with people where you can be vulnerable and honest. You can talk about the struggles you have with faith, things you don't understand. You can be honest about the things that you're facing in your life. But even a connect group may not be a safe enough place 
So pray today about who you could approach that might be able and willing to invest some time with you regularly. That you can create an accountability relationship, a prayer relationship with someone where actually you can be completely open and honest. And let's get these blockages out so that we can tap into that potential we have as a church. And don't leave this morning. If that has really provoked you, prodded you, don't leave without praying this morning. I'd love to pray with you. And there'll be a prayer team, members of the prayer team over that side. Make the year 2020 the year that you decide that you're going to break those holes, those addictions, those problems. Right. I'm going to ask you all to do something that I really hate doing myself. Um, I don't like kind of reading together off the screen because, well, I'm dyslexic for one thing, so I'm quite slow at reading um, off the cuff. This is what we're going to be reading. It's quite small at the moment. I will step through it a couple of lines at a time. It's a Methodist prayer of covenant with God, and it's written by John Wesley in the 1700s. And I think the Methodists use it as a New Year kind of prayer. Um, and I've been listening. If you want a, a, a good way to get into a bit of daily devotional, 24-7 prayer, have an app. I forget what it's called, but I'm sure you can search for it. Sorry? There you go. Talk to Marion if you want to know what it's called. Um, and it's really, really good. They, they, I won't explain it all now, but this is where this came to my attention. And you can listen to it. And so I go into my office. This is one of the habits that I've formed as a resolution, really. I try and do little habits each year um, instead of big, grand resolutions, because I never keep them. And one habit was when I get into my office, I work for myself, so I don't have to be embarrassed about the fact that I go down on my knees and I pray for the day. I pray for my family, I pray for church, and I pray um, for my work. And this is one way that I've been doing that this year, in the last year, I suppose. Anyway, I want us to read this together, because I think it's powerful. I think there is something, as much as I don't like it, and keeping rhythm with everybody else speaking around you, I think there's something powerful as we join together. So, I'm going to ask you all to stand... I'll go through it. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full let me be empty. Let me have all things, and let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine, and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Thank you.
Thank you, Jesus.